0: Almost to the finish line of First Timothy, and uh, however, it was it was I had to filter through mm, that would that would kind of go along with this, but I really had a time just sticking to our text today uh, because there's similarities that Paul uses uh, not only in just First Timothy but in the other letters. Um, so be encouraged. Um, if the Holy Spirit, something resonates within you today or as you reread 1 Timothy, go, go, go digging. Go um, like, well, where else has Paul used that? Because I may not have said it today. There's, I'm going to get to some references, but we, we, uh, just I just didn't feel that they'd do all of them. So I'm sticking to the text. All that to say, I'm sticking To our text and uh, along with this passage along with the book I've been reading for several weeks I was reminded that Paul um, has a deep desire and concern for the spiritual welfare of his brothers and sisters in Christ Um, that's a common theme of Paul Uh, he you can sometimes hear his emotions um, as he longs for, or he yearns for uh, his brothers and sisters to know more, or just to be spiritually healthy in general. Um, And as he sometimes puts himself in their place, either having been through it himself, or just um, being sensitive to his audience. So. With all that, let's dive in to first Timothy 6, verse 11 through 16. I will first read through the entire text, and I will break it down. And quite frankly, some of you may be surprised how quickly I go this morning. Um, because, like I said, I'm trying to stick to it. Um, I could have very easily slipped in a few lines here or there of where I'm at. Um, that has—I've only done this a few times, and I've really had to filter and hold back sometimes. I'm sure there's this, going to be some undertones as I get going of like, "Oh, Jared's here," you know, that's where Jared's at with this. Um, but I have done my best to keep my flesh out of this. So here we go. But you, man of God. Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everlasting, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, Made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an approachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To Him be honor. And might forever. Amen. Just one moment. I had to make sure my phone was turned down. <laughs> Sorry. So we are coming to the end of the book. So let's just quickly recap where we have come from the first of May until now. Chapter one explains why we are here. To make God known to the rest of the world and set up an economy of God. What is our message? Not the law, but a trustworthy statement. Verse 15 of chapter one, that Jesus Christ came into the world and saved sinners. To say it simply, we are nobodies, telling everybody and s- about somebody that'll save anybody. Chapter two: We are charged to pray for the people that we are around, the world around us. Mingle and model and exist with them. Chapter three, four and five, Paul lays out what the church structure should be and leadership within it. And then chapter six begins and warns us again of false teachers and what distractions come within this world as far as riches and gain, that if we as believers and the church cannot get this under control, then chapters 3 and 4 and 5 do not happen. There will be no healthy church. The chapter encourages us to be content. As the psalmist says in chapter 131, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Paul reminds Timothy like this psalm writer, to be content. Acknowledge that there are many distractions in the world. Today's verses with verse 11, But you, man of God. That opens Paul's charge to Timothy, reverses the focus of the apostles' remarks. He had just scolded the false teachers of Ephesus for their corrupt doctrine and lifestyles. But now he instructs his godly younger brother in the faith on how to he ought to live and stay focused. The title, Man of God, was intentionally motivating because it was the customary title for the great leaders of Israel. Moses, the man of God, was a title for Israel's greatest Old Testament leader. And you can read that in Deuteronomy 33.1 and in Joshua 14.6. Likewise, we read of David, the man of God, in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 24. And the prophet Samuel was similarly described, as well as Elijah and Elisha. When Paul addresses Timothy emphatically, but you, man of God, he got Timothy's attention. The young disciple knew heavy instructions were to follow, and those directions remain for us today. If I were Timothy and reading that line, I would have been encouraged to shape my posture that my teacher and friend just labeled me with that title, followed with the weird mixture of peace and weight of responsibility. Verses 11 and 12, helpfully Paul's opening warning come in four successive commands that can be remembered under four simple headings. Flee, follow, Fight and fasten unto. Flee, where we get our English word fugitive. Paul begins, but you, man of God, flee from all this. That is, flee from the things that characterize false teachers, just described in verses 3 through 10. Flee the false teaching that marginalized Christ and his teaching, Flee the petty controversies and quarrels about words, in verse 4. Flee this divisive talk, verses 4 and 5. And flee the religious delusion that imagines godliness is a means to financial gain, in verse 5. And later, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22, Paul recommends flight, As a defense From immature passions Quote Flee the evil desires Of youth Who else can you think of That God used to flee Joseph From Potiphar's wife When he left his cloak In her grasp and hand And fled from the house We find that story in Genesis Chapter 39 Joseph understood that what could happen in his flesh if he'd stayed? But he didn't. Likewise, Timothy is to flee controversies and quarrels about words. Lest he be sucked into the vortex of such decay, he is also to flee those who are promoting what is today called the prosperity gospel, which equates godliness with gain. We are the people that have been trusted with the Bible and great commission has been given. Nothing can get in the way of that. Follow, or some translations says pursue. God's servants are also to follow hard after spiritual virtues. Quote, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He is to pursue and be ambitious towards righteousness and godliness. That's seeking the will of God in every area. Terms that cover the horizontal and vertical dimensions of the Christian life. Horizontally, there must be righteous conduct, uprightness, and fairness in dealings with other people. Vertically, a godly life is called for which, as Paul has said, has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come, as he mentioned in chapter 4, verse 8. Both righteousness and godliness reference observable conduct. What does God tell me to be? A husband, a father, a worker. I should want what is right. Present your bodies as holy sacrifice, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Uh, one of my favorite writers, Oswald Chambers, wrote, We have a tendency to forget that a person is not only committed to Jesus Christ for salvation, but is also committed, responsible, and accountable to Jesus Christ's view of God. The world and of sin and the devil, this means that each person must recognize the responsibility to, quote, not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. That's what the devotion of, to God looks like. Before we say, do, or act, we should pause and ask ourselves, is this right? then proceed. Next, Paul commends the ultimate Christian virtues of faith and love. Faith and love are a regular one could say duo in the requirements of leadership. He references in 1 Timothy chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and Titus chapter 2. Here, the emphasis is on faithfulness and love for others. Last on the list is endurance and gentleness. These are especially helpful ministry qualities. Endurance is won't quit determination in the face of opposition to the gospel. Gentleness is the quality of tender, patient self-control in dealing with people amidst the difficulties of ministry. Strength under control. Gentleness, patience, patience even with unloving people i'm going to keep going philippians chapter 3 verse 14 press towards the goal so are you content in these you have what you need in these pursue the things of the spirit so we see that paul commands timothy to pursue a balanced spirituality in his ministry, righteousness and godliness, then faith and love, and then endurance and gentleness. But what stands out in all this is the contrasting emphasis on fleeing and pursuing. Negatively, we are to constantly flee from evil, but positively, we are to keep on pursuing good. The irony is that it's humans regularly pursue ends we know are disastrous and we turn our backs on the f- and flee those things that bring fullness and joy the wisdom here is so elementary as john stott explains it we are simply to run from evil as we run from danger and to run after goodness as we run after success that is we have to give our mind time and energy to both fight and pursuit. Fight. Timothy is to at one and the same time flee, follow, but he is also to fight. Chapter, or verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. Notice this is not just any fight, but a fight for the faith from which some have wandered, which Paul referenced in verse 10 and 21 later meaning that Timothy is to fight for the faith that is described throughout this book in the, quote, the truth, the teaching, the message, or the doctrine, and what has been entrusted or deposited. It takes a long time to do these things, a lifetime. It's not the destination. It's the path. Here in respect to the apostolic faith, The truth, the doctrine, the deposit, Timothy is commanded to fight the good fight. The language here is intense. Earlier in chapter 1, verse 18, fight the good fight, Paul used language that brought about a military metaphor. Now, Paul uses four metaphors or analogies of the Christian life. Warfare, the athlete, agriculture, and architecture. Here, the language language for fight the good fight suggests voluntary athletic agony, the kind that takes place in a race or a boxing match. The Greek literally means agonize the good agony. Anyone who has run competitively understands the intensity insinuated here. You run until you think you can run no more. But you keep on running until your lungs burn and your feet feel like lead. And then you reach way down and agonizingly increase your speed as you approach the finish line. If you have run a race, you know. At the beginning, everyone is chatty. The first few miles even having conversations of, how do you like running in those shoes? But by the end, everyone's quiet saying little prayers of, Lord, if you can pick up my legs, I can lay them down. Significantly, Paul fought his fight himself as he approached his finish line, and so he could say near to the end of his second letter to Timothy, quote, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept faith chapters 4 verses 6 through 7 if you are here you're on the path somewhere it's your own path as God has called you to the the race can you hit the tape as a church we must be better to help each other during the race 2nd John verse 8 says watch yourselves So you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. One man said, I could not find the original person who said this, but in the first century, a world full of Gentiles stayed awake at night, worrying about the impact of the faithful. Now, the Christians lay awake at night, worrying of the impact of the world. Our generation must contend for the faith. We must not be contentious, but we must fight for the apostolic faith. Doctrine is all important because it determines the course of our lives. The truth of the gospel is everything. It is the difference between life and death. We must withstand false teachers. We must think clearly as we define our theology. We must never compromise the truth fastened unto As Timothy fights the good fight of faith Paul instructs him to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses verse 12 Timothy had eternal life as he had been confirmed at his conversion or yeah conversion and baptism when he made his good confession The same as you and I, if you are a covenantal member of cross life and have been baptized. Christ had his confession in front of Pontius Pilate and his baptism through the crucifixion. Eternal life is obviously everlasting, but the emphasis here is on its quality. Eternal life is the life of the age to come, which is given only in Jesus Christ. As Jesus explained, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, in John chapter 17. Timothy, like all believers, has eternal life both as a present possession and as a future hope. Nevertheless, Paul tells Timothy, and by extension all of us, to grab, to fasten unto eternal life. According to Bauer's lexicon, the word translated, take hold of, means to take hold of, grasp, sometimes with violence, or to take hold of in order to make one's own. The violence in the word is seen when it is used to describe how Jesus caught Peter as he began to sink in Matthew chapter 14. And for the crowd seizing Paul and dragging him from the temple in Acts chapter 21. This is the idea. Timothy already had eternal life. But he is instructed to grab it for all he is worth. To live it to the full. We are to grab onto eternal life that is already ours through the ups and downs of following Christ. Eternal life, the knowledge of God the Father and Christ His Son, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the knowledge of sins forgiven, the peace of Christ, the fruits of the Spirit, the joy of service, the love of God. These are the things we must grab onto and joyously hold until we arrive in heaven. Timothy, and now us, is to flee sin at the same time, he is to follow or pursue holiness. While doing these, he, is also, he also fights the good fight of faith, fastened with all he has to eternal life. Verses 13, witnesses. The apostles, I'm sorry, the apostle calls two ultimate witnesses for this charge, namely God the Father and God the Son. Verse 13, in the sight of God who gives life to everlasting and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good confession. By calling the Father and the Son as witnesses, Paul meant to encourage Timothy, not intimidate him. Paul wanted Timothy to be enlightened because God is the one who gives life to everything and he would sustain Timothy for all his days. Timothy was likewise to be strengthened not only by Christ's presence, but by his example, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. Jesus was the witness par excellence. Jesus had already done what Paul and then Timothy, here in this verse, would be asked to do. The charge, braced by the presence of these two awesome witnesses, Paul delivers his solemn charge. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. Verses thirteen through fifteen. The command here references Timothy's ministerial calling to uphold the faith to accomplish what Paul did. I have kept the faith, as he mentioned in Second Timothy chapter four. This involved the command to watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It also involved Paul's other warnings or rebukes, as in chapter 6, or later in chapter 6, he says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care, in verse 20, and guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He says in 2 Timothy. Timothy was to cleave to his calling until the return of Christ, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which could happen at any time. Paul summons Timothy and all spiritual leaders to a dogged persistence in fulfilling the call to preach and defend the apostolic faith, to run well to the end. Now, verses 15 and 16. Paul seals his grand charge with a majestic benediction that praises God's sovereignty. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an approachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. We know that there are some who oppose Timothy's work in Ephesus, but he is to labor on in view of one day standing before God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. But he is to labor on in view of one day, I said that before, God, the ruler, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Absolute sovereignty over all. Who alone is immortal, literally? Who alone possesses immortality? The bestower of life, we humans are immortal because we will exist after death, whether in heaven or in hell. But this is only because he who possesses life has created us so. He is sovereign of all life. And who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see? His holiness and purity. All anyone has even seen of this is Moses, and it was a mere afterglow of his glory in Exodus chapter 33. He is sovereignly beyond all humanity, but he is the one who directs, equips, and uses Timothy in his ministry. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. This is a natural doxology for Paul. But whereas normally Paul says honor and glory, here, he prays honor and might, emphasizing God's sovereign power. I'm sure after reading this, Timothy's enemies and struggles look quite small and temporary. You and I will stand before that someday. Will you hear, well done, and good and faithful servant? If you can think of a sin that is worth doing and forgoing hearing those words as you stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then you are just the type of individual that Paul is saying to flee from. In the early 90s, University of Colorado was quite good. And the Colorado football coach, Bill McCartney, was then the coach, and he got in front of a coaches' conference for FCA and read a letter to those in attendance from a player he had. And it went like this. Dear Coach McCartney, I will no longer be playing for the University of Colorado. I will no longer be attending two-a-day workouts in August. The reason is because... I will not play for a coach that says he is a Christian on one hand and his mouth is marked by cursing, attitude by anger on the other. I'd rather choose to play for a pagan who lives consistently with his pagan belief than a Christian who is not. The coach then stepped in front of the podium and repented in front of his colleagues and asked for their forgiveness. Coach McCartney would go on to help found the Promise Keepers movement. Thank God for that football player who wrote that letter. That football player fought that good fight of faith by fleeing. The message to Timothy is clear. Though your calling is immense, the God who calls you is far greater, and he will enable you to do it. So, man of God, all who are men and women of God, flee evil. Follow hard after righteousness, godliness, faith and love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Fasten unto and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. and having thus properly fed, fled, followed, fought, and fastened unto. Accept your charge before God the Father and God the Son to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for these words that uh, you helped Paul write. Father, I do not know what everyone's going through right now. As we prayed for earlier this morning, I know some of these words were, came at the appropriate time. I pray, Lord, going forward, that we as a church can remain healthy, get stronger together, to help each other in this marathon, that we cling to you and what you have to say, that we can help shape one another, keep each other accountable, because we are that city on the hill for the rest of the world, Lord. May we encourage one another with your words as your words have encouraged us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.